Welcome to the Cyber 24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. My name is Marty Carpenter of 24.9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. And I was joined a little bit earlier uh, last week, as a matter of fact, with a special guest, Mike Potter, the CEO and founder of Rewind, a company that provides cloud backups uh, for SaaS applications uh, and help businesses easily back up and restore their data. Much thanks to Mike for joining us on the program. And here's our conversation as we dive into the topic of e-commerce security threats. All right, good to have Mike Potter from Rewind uh, with us again. Uh, if you missed our last episode, go back and listen to that uh, because a lot of great insight uh, on uh, a number of security topics that you're going to want to look into. Uh, but we'll continue our conversation uh, with Mike this week and a new topic, and this one more specifically aligned with e-commerce security threats. Uh, Mike, what are some of the most common e-commerce security th- threats that you see today? I think the most common ones we're seeing these days are phishing attacks. So there are, um, on a regular basis, you know, we, we run a couple of test stores on, on, uh, Shopify and big commerce just for our own applications. I'd say on a regular basis, we're getting phishing emails coming to us and coming to our employees, asking them to log into their, uh, online account and trying to fish for their username and passwords. That is, I think the most common one that we've seen. Um, so far, at least recently, in terms of how to um, get access to these online store accounts. And there's certainly other ones, but I think in terms of the most popular, those those phishing attacks have seemed to have increased in, in popularity over the last few months. Do you think people are getting any smarter about uh, when those emails roll in or when those phishing attempts pop up? Um, are people getting naturally smarter and are companies getting better at training their employees to be on the lookout for those types of things. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I know we do training for that um, at Rewind as part of our security training as we we do um, uh, we do have a program that we use that'll teach um, employees to be aware of, of phishing attacks and when when they're um, you know being asked to enter passwords on insecure sites. Uh, in the last episode, we talked a lot about using like a password manager, for instance. And one of the benefits of using a password manager is it'll auto fill in the passwords according to the domain name that you've got. So if you've stored all of your, let's say, e-commerce passwords in a password manager and you go to some phishing site, you'll notice that it won't auto fill the passwords in because the domain name doesn't match um, your host name. And that's, you know, just a little, little, little extra level of security that I think helps people. Um, but whether they've, you know, I, I've always assumed that because they're sending more of those out, that they're being more successful. I don't know if that's a good assumption or not, but that was that's always been my assumption that you're seeing more attacks because they're working, because people are entering their passwords and they are gaining access to accounts and causing problems. So um, we've certainly seen an increase in, in the number of phishing attacks we've seen lately. How have those uh, more common security threats evolved over the past five years? Uh, is it so different today than it was five years ago? Or do you have to go back uh, further than that to find when the threat was drastically different than it is today? Well, I think as the popularity of online commerce increases, it's more likely that it's going to be a target for for an attack. So I think the difference between now and five years ago is that there are far more people running online stores than there were five years ago. 
right? Shopify's popularity has exploded in the last few years. At the last count, I think they had 1.7 million merchants. I think when we started Rewind, they had 250 or 300,000 merchants. Um, and so that massive level of growth in a very short period of time, you know, raises the eyebrows of a lot of people, including some bad actors who want to, you know, take advantage of that and cause problems on those stores that are starting up. So that I think is, is sort of the massive difference that we've seen is just the popularity of online commerce has resulted in more potential attacks. You know, it, one of the ways that, what, that, um, that, that those bad actors sort of, um, make their reputation is, is by, you know, attacking larger targets. So if you've got a relatively small user base, it's not really much uh, of anyone's interest. But if you can get to something that's got a really large user base, now it becomes more of a target and more of an interest to, um, to some of those bad actors. Yeah. How, how do e-commerce websites become vulnerable? You mentioned it's sort of the, the bigger you are, the bigger target you can be. And is that just because of the number of transactions going or because then of the, the repository of data or other, you know, passwords and usernames that you may have that could, could be used elsewhere? What, what is it that, uh, that e-commerce websites do to become vulnerable? And is it just a matter of the bigger they are, the bigger target they are? I think the bigger they are, the larger target, but it's a function of how the business is run. Right. So when you're a single store owner and, and you've got a very small business and it's just you logging into your account, if again, assuming you've got a really strong password on there, you've just got really the one account that people can log into. Um, you, if you're running a, you know, a moderately or very starting out, just running your own store, you probably haven't installed a lot of third party applications because your business isn't complex. You know, the default install for your e-commerce provider can probably handle your business. But as your business grows and you end up with more employees, you end up with some contractors who have access to your store, you end up with third-party applications that you need to, to help run your business, all of those become vectors for, for some bad actors, right? So the more accounts you have, the more people using simple passwords, you know, providing a way for people to log in and have access to your accounts. Same with those third-party developers. If you're using third-party developers and they have access to your store, again, a potential area um, that somebody can take advantage of. And those third-party applications that you're installing to help you manage your business, help manage your store, um, those can also become uh, you know, a source of, of a potential problem. Yeah. At this point, isn't almost every website an e-commerce website <laughs> to some extent? Yeah. I think like, you know, even if you're a YouTuber and you make videos or you're a TikTok influencer and you make videos, they're all sending you somewhere where you can buy a sweatshirt with their name or logo or catchphrase or something on it. Like it just seems like everybody to some extent, uh, at, at least the vast majority are e-commerce sites at this point. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point, right? And I think that shows, you know, some of the growth that, that you've seen in platforms like Shopify over the last five years of really, um, you know, to steal their words, democratizing e-commerce and moving it from the major retailers into the hands of the many and allowing really anybody with, you know, very limited skill sets to start up an online store and be able to sell goods and services. I think in addition to that, you've also got, you know, fairly easy access to those things that people want to sell, right? You've got um, sites out there like Alibaba that make it easy to source products that can be customized in some cases to your business or your brand. Um, it's, you know, I think the barrier to entry from an e-commerce perspective has really, I'm not sure it's ever been lower than it is now to be able to start a business. 
So yeah, I I think that's true that you know almost every store seems or every site seems like it's an e-commerce business because it's just so easy to start one. All right, time to take a break. But first, a reminder: the Cyber Twenty Four podcast is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's thirty-five plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from the desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. Back with more of our conversation with Mike Potter of Rewind on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. The demand has never been greater for business owners and IT professionals to invest in intelligent security camera systems. At the intersection of physical security and cybersecurity, an increasing number of organizations struggle to take a proactive approach to surveillance. Verkata's all-in-one physical security platform makes this decision easy with features like plug-and-play installation, centralized management, secure remote access to cameras, and smart features and alerts. Smarter security starts with Verkata. Learn more at vlcmtech.com slash Verkata. That's vlcmtech.com slash V-E-R-K-A-D-A. If you're looking for protection from uncontrolled access, Salto can deliver the perfect solution tailored to your exact requirements to provide you with all the security convenience and control you need. With Salto, you install access control in a wire-free environment, so there's no need to hardwire the building. Because Salto works on a virtual network, you can enroll or replace a lost key within seconds, making reprogramming and rekeying a problem of the past. See how Salto can make your access control and building security simpler and safer at vlcmtech.com slash salto. That's vlcmtech.com slash S-A-L-T-O. All right, time to continue our conversation with Mike Potter, the CEO of Rewind, as we talk more about e-commerce. What kinds of threats are maybe not prominent right now, but are trending in that direction? What do you see as the, the forthcoming problems? Put your, uh, your crystal ball in front of you and give us an idea of what's just around the corner. I think, you know, generally speaking, the 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 software providers like the SaaS platforms where you're running your store, though they're increasing their investment in in online security, and it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to to really attack those um, providers. That that you know, somebody like a Shopify or a big commerce has teams of people that are working on online security to make sure that their systems are secure and that you know people can't access them. However, the third-party app stores that they've got are filled with thousands of applications that are built by, in some cases, single developers who don't have the same resources, don't have the same knowledge from a security perspective. And so we see, you know, looking forward, I see those apps, those third-party apps being the vectors for causing problems in people's online stores because they're running code because they have access to, you know, read and write data in the online store, um, that tends to be a really easy way to cause a lot of problems in a very short period of time. We talked earlier about, you know, like if a bad actor got access to your online account and, you know, went through and modified some stuff or deleted some stuff, I mean, they still have to do it manually. It takes some time for them to actually perform all of those actions. But if you're running computer code, um, and you have access to, you know, delete an entire catalog of, of products, you know, you can easily delete an entire catalog of, of products in, in just a matter of seconds without really much work um, if you're running it through code. 
So those third-party apps are really, as, as we look forward and say, where's the risk? It's it's definitely on the third-party app side because they just don't have the same knowledge from a security perspective that the that the big players have. Yeah, really scary thought for someone uh, running, owning uh, an e-commerce store of really any size. But as we establish sort of what the problem is, let's maybe pivot to solutions. What software solutions are commonly used to uh, thwart or e-commerce security threats? Yeah, I think, you know, there's certainly software out there that'll help you. So we've talked about password managers. We've talked about software like what we sell, like a backup software, like Rewind in order to recover from it. There's also just, you know, basic prevention before the problem happens. So as you're installing those third-party apps into your store, make sure that they're that they're legitimate, right? Call the support line that they've got on on their app store listing. Does a, does a human answer? What happens when you call that phone number? Uh, <clears throat> we like to say that there are very simple things like just check out the, the copyright date on their web page, right? Is the copyright date 2021 or is it 2018? It might give you an indication of you know how uh, how much attention to detail they have, how much the software has been updated. How many reviews do they have? Does, does the application have, you know, hundreds of reviews? What are people saying about the application? You can use that, you know, in all cases, um, from an e-commerce perspective, I think almost all the platforms have the ability for users to put reviews on the third-party apps that they're installing into their store. So read the reviews. What do other people say about it? Talk to other merchants that you trust and ask them about which applications they should be providing or they're using um, so you can install those into your store. Uh, the other one that we see uh, uh, some of the more advanced merchants doing is having a staging environment. So you have a separate staging environment set up to test you know, a third-party app or test a change that you want to make to your store before you go into production and make that change. That's a really smart idea. I know if you're on some of the larger plans for Shopify and big commerce, for instance, you get free um, multiple stores for free. And it's very easy to, you know, set up a second store and then test things into that second store before, you know, installing that app into production. So there's some software that you can do. There's just some basic sort of social things that you can do. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you, you just need to be aware of the risks, I think, and take steps in order to, to mitigate those risks. And, um, you know, there's lots of things that you can do just from a social perspective of talking to other merchants and, you know, calling people on the phone to really get a sense of like, is this app that I'm using a, a real trusted third party? Same thing, by the way, would go for, you know, any any people that you want to have working on your store, like any agencies or, or development partners that you need to work on your store. It's the same sort of thing. You wouldn't give access to your store to just anybody. You're going to vet those experts before you give them access to your store. You should be doing the same thing for the for the apps that you're installing. Yeah. You know, I always want to ask, like, how effective are the solutions? And it's a funny question because a solution should be 100% effective because it solves a problem. So it's more maybe not, you know, a solution, but how effective are these measures that you can take? Um, and, and sort of how do you figure out when you've done what you can? Or is it just always trying to do more and more and evolve with the threats? Well, I think you can definitely. So in the case of, um, you know, uh, 
I think what you have to do is sort of go through it in, in stages of like, how is somebody going to get access to the store and then look at each of those and uh, each of those things, whether you've implemented them or not and understand like, have they been implemented? Are people following the, the, the proper um, procedures? Are they, are they using the tools that we've put in place? So if you just take, for example, the first thing is somebody can get access to your store through your password. So you've implemented a password manager. Does everybody in your company use the password manager? Do they all have secure passwords? Are those passwords rotated on a regular basis? How many employees have, have enabled two-factor authentication in your online store? All of that is um, you know, critically important and something that you can do to figure out like how how popular is the solution, how widely spread is the potential solution for that. Um, so once yeah, go you, ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, once oh, you moved ahead. on from that, you just move on to the next sort of stage, right? And you say, okay, so if somebody gets access to our store, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? They can, um, you know, cause problems to it. Okay, so we have a backup solution for that problem. Well, can you test your backup solution? You know, can you create um, or duplicate a product in a test environment, not in your production environment, but duplicate it either in a staging environment or um, on your on your production store, but as a test product and delete that product and then use the backup solution to recover it. And you can test to see how well does the backup solution actually recover that product. Um, those are sort of the things that we see, you know, I'd say maybe more advanced merchants using, um, but absolutely you know, there are ways that you can test to see is what we've done, you know, are the procedures and processes that we've put in place being followed? And can we test the mitigation measures that we've put in place to make sure that if, you know, if data does get lost, that we can recover it easily? Are the barriers for businesses implementing the the solutions or the ways to sort of mitigate their risk? Um, is the barrier to implementing those generally that they're they're deemed to be too expensive or like, is it just sort of overwhelming to go about it or are the solutions sort of unknown to most folks? I mean, if you're starting an e-commerce store, you're saying, I want to make X product and I want to sell it and here's how I want to market it. And you get into the fun stuff of what's my business name and logo and you do all these things to set up a business. And so I, I would imagine that maybe you just aren't thinking about, or even if you were thinking about it, you don't know and understand what the risks are and and the solutions that are potentially out there. So is it a matter of not really understanding it, not knowing about it? Is it too expensive? What what are the barriers in place here? I think the largest barrier is is really not knowing what the risks are and not knowing what the potential uh, outcome of of those risks is. That's what we see as the biggest barrier for rewind for example, which is when we tell people that they need a backup of their data you know, they're very confident that their SaaS provider has that backup, that a backup is actually not needed because that's why they've moved to the cloud. That's the whole reason why they're using cloud software and SaaS software is so that they don't have to do backups. Um, and sort of as we went into in the last episode, you know, that level of thinking is incorrect, but it's very um, pervasive. And I think people have just made an incorrect assumption around how the data is secured for them versus how the data is secured for the SaaS provider that they've got. So that tends to be one of the problems. And I think there's also a, a sense of, you know, well, it's not going to happen to me. Right. And until you've really experienced a, a data loss, like I can tell you personally, having lost data on um, on various computers over my life that one of the first things I do when I get a new computer is to start a backup of it 
and to make sure that I'm not losing, you know, pictures of my kids or videos or whatever it is that I want to make sure that I'm keeping around. Like a backup to me because I've lost data in the past is just it's one of the first things I do when I'm setting up um, a new computer is to make sure that, you know, that there's a backup of it. And so we do encounter people like that who have experienced loss either on their personal computer side or in other platforms that they've been on who go in and install Rewind right away. And then there are others, unfortunately, who come to us after the problem has happened and say, I didn't realize that this was an issue, but I need it in case it happens the next time. Um, so I think awareness just tends to be the largest sort of barrier to people, um, you know, looking for a solution and finding it. But I, I can tell you the one area where there's an exception to that is if you've encountered a problem in the past, either, you know, on a personal computer or in some other online service, they are very actively looking for a solution to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Because if you've ever lost data, you you know the pain and you know that you don't want to make sure you want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I yeah. can tell you that from personal experience. <laughs> Anybody who's gone through that would say never want to have that happen again. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this overall equation of like, you know, the businesses and um, the potential threats out there and bad actors, there's one other variable we haven't really touched on, and that's. Uh, the actual consumers. And so I, I'm curious whether or not consumer behavior and the way that a, a customer perhaps interacts with an e-commerce store, uh, how that may impact the security of the overall, you know, transaction process and the overall security, uh, of the company. Yeah. I, I think generally speaking, you know, that there are very few things that a, that a customer can do to an online store that would cause problems. Most of the SaaS providers that, that we work with, or both of the SaaS providers that we work with, you know, have taken steps to mitigate that risk because, um, they know that, uh, that that's a potential, but there's really not much that a, that a, that a customer can do. We have seen a few examples where, um, Customers have figured out a way of um, sort of hacking the checkout system to to change the value of the orders to zero dollars, and we've heard you know from from some of the merchants that have had that experience that what happens to that is once that happens you'll get a bunch of those zero dollar orders happening very quickly because it's been posted into some online forum somewhere. That says, Hey, if you go to this site and you do XYZ, you can order all of this stuff for free. And so it doesn't happen very often, but when it happens, it'll happen as a sort of a, a spike in activity. Um, so you'll all of a sudden start to get like a massive amount of zero dollar orders because somebody's posted in, in, in a chat form somewhere that, Hey, if you do this, you can, you can, you know, get these products at no cost sort of thing. Um, but you know, I would say that's still very rare in terms of what we see happening to online stores. It's not a very common thing for, for that to happen. It happens occasionally, but from, from a pervasivity standpoint, it's really not that pervasive. Yeah. As we wrap up, Mike, what advice would you have for our audience if they're concerned about the security of their e-commerce system? I think um, it goes back to what we had mentioned in the last episode, right? Which is, you know, secure your, secure your online account, Use a password manager of some sort to make sure that you're using a random password. Enable two-factor authentication on your account. That really helps a lot. Uh, vet the apps before you um, before you install them. Make sure that they're legitimate. 
make sure that anybody that has access to your store has access to just the parts of the store that that they need. So don't ever grant anybody access to the full store. Just give, you know, people access to whatever section they happen to be working on. And I think if you're working with, you know, any sort of reputable um, e-commerce agency, they should they, they should do that for you automatically when they're requesting access to your store. If you're working with an agency that's saying, oh, we're going to request access to your entire store, just give us access to the whole thing. We're only going to be working on your theme, but we want access to the whole store. That to me would be a red flag of, of somebody that doesn't quite understand, um, you know, a proper cybersecurity model. Uh, and then at the last, you know, the last thing is just make sure you've got a backup of your data. Uh, you you hope that you'll never use it. You hope that those first measures work, that, you know, you've got these random passwords with two-factor authentication that nobody's going to get access to your account, that the apps that you install have been vetted and they are, you know, properly developed and they don't cause problems. But at the end of the day, you still need to make sure that you've got a last sort of wall of protection and that, in this case, happens to be a backup of all of your data, so that if something does happen in the like in on, in the unlikely event, you've still got access to your data and you can recover it quickly through through some sort of automated online backup. And for those who are listening, like if they want to know more about what you guys do at Rewind or even look into using Rewind, how do they go about that? What's their uh, best route to go find you? Yeah, you can find us online at rewind.com, uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rewind as well. I appreciate it very much. Thanks so much for the insight. Great to have you on the show. And uh, I think our audience really benefits from your expertise. So we appreciate you taking some time to share that with us today. Yeah, thanks, Marty. It's been fun. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, Secuvant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hey, hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, and stay safe online.